If you aren't using user-generated content or UGC videos in your marketing, you should be. It's one of the most powerful and cost-efficient forms of video marketing. And today's guest shares some great advice on how to make sure your UGC videos are effective and profitable. Are you looking for new ways to make your sales grow? You've tried other podcasts, but they don't seem to know. Harvest the growth potential of your product or service as we share stories and strategies that'll make your competitors nervous. Now, here's the host of the Harvest Growth Podcast, John LeClaire. Welcome back to the show. I'm really excited today to have the founder of Grill Kilt, K-I-L-T. And you can find them at grillkilt.com. Of course, as always, it's in the show notes. Super cool product. If you are a griller or have a griller in your life, you're going to love this product and also the stories that go behind it. And the founder of this company is Yates Du. Yates, welcome to the show today. Thanks, John. It's great to be here. Appreciate you having me on. So let's jump in and talk about the product. So first of all, tell our audience, what is the Grill Kilt? Great question. Um, it's really not technically uh, an apron or technically a kilt. Basically, it's uh, it's a really cool grilling apron. And um, the name actually didn't come until after I had invented the product. And um, so, yeah, basically, if you want to hear the story behind it, I, I grill out like a lot, like tens of millions of Americans and um, and people all around the world. And I found myself going back and forth between the kitchen and the grill a whole lot and um, wiping my hands on my clothes a whole lot. So obviously, naturally needed an apron. Well, I didn't have an apron in the house other than one that belongs to my wife and it didn't quite look that cool and it wasn't very functional. So naturally I went to the internet and searched Google high and low uh, to just try to find an apron that was functional and good looking. And what I envisioned did not exist. And so I really just set out to build one for myself. And that's where the process started of me going to my garage, putting together some old rock climbing gear, going to Lowe's, buying some tool toolish gear and some belts, flipping them together with a towel and creating a prototype. And um, that's kind of where the idea came from. You know, that's that's where it all started. It was just kind of a personal journey to like create something better that didn't exist. And it turned into a business. And I do encourage our audience to check out the website. You'll see the product. He's got some great photos and a couple of good videos on there that really, of course, show exactly what this is. But for those who can't do that right now, let's talk about a little bit more about the product itself. So I think it has, is it 10 pockets on, there's different versions, but is that the normal number of pockets on the grill kilt? My original SKU, which is now up to 16, 17 collars now with my most recent release, it's all the same design. And that design does have 10 pockets, an integrated tool belt, it's got D-rings, um, which allow you to clip things to the, the tool belt that's built into it. Um, it's kind of one size fits all, basically 30 to 60 inch waists. Um, and it also comes with a hand towel that clips to the D-rings. So as most grillers know, you're constantly needing to wipe your hands because you're touching all sorts of greasy stuff and, and, and coal, charcoal or wood or whatever it may be. And it's just part of Part of the accessory is the attachable towel, which obviously can be removed and washed, and the whole thing can be be washed as well. But yeah, 10 pockets, two of which are more 
just like your classic jeans pockets or shorts pockets to, to just put your hands in, but they're large. So you can put a whole lot into the, all the pockets. Yep. I imagine some of our audience might be thinking like, what the heck am I going to put in all these pockets? Cause I might, me personally, every time I grill, I'm like, I only need one thing. I'll bring my spatula out and then I bring my thermometer out and then my sauce and then my brush. Like it's always trips back in and out. Like you mentioned, right? Like it's that constant back and forth inside the house and back outside again. So what do you find are maybe some of the most interesting things that in your own usage of the product or other customers that have talked to you that they've now brought out to the grill that they might otherwise not? Yeah. So it's a great question. I, I often find that I, my grill kilt kind of eats things of mine. I'm like, where did I put my phone, you know, or where did I put my rub or my sauce or my, my knife? It, it tends to just, um, you know, hold, hold a lot of stuff without really looking cumbersome or feeling cumbersome um, because the pockets are designed specifically to carry the tools and utensils that people already have in their houses, right? So like on the sides are some deep cargo pockets. And those are really just like a catch-all for, you know, most people are, are familiar with the, the large spatulas that may or may not get used, but those cargo pockets can hold them. Those cargo pockets could hold several beverages, could hold, um, you know, flashlights. Um, but typically what I keep in mind is a, a really good um, folding pocket knife, a really good thermometer, um, my phone. I typically put a couple towels, maybe even sometimes three to the waist belt. And then depending on what I'm cooking, it's going to be some sauces, some rubs, um, a couple other, you know, knickknacks here and there, but um, it'll hold it all. And it's, you know, it'll actually hold way too much than you need, but the pockets are designed very, very specifically with different sizes. Once you see it or have one, you'll kind of understand pretty quickly that, oh, this is the pocket that was designed for the bottle opener slash thermometer, or this is the pocket that's designed for my hands, but I could also put my phone in there. So yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of obvious once you put it on, but you can't really tell necessarily, um, you know, that it's big and bulky. It's not big and bulky at all. It's very uh, kind of sleek and made specifically to hold those utensils that most everybody has who's grilling at home. I, I almost think of it as like a cooking accessory, right? Like there's so many things we can buy for our grill to grill or cook better, right? To make the end result better. And it's not intuitive, I don't think, but for me, I know every time I leave my grill, because I forgot something, I have to run back inside or whatever, that extra minute or two minutes can turn a great steak into an overdone one, for example, right? Or dry out your meat or whatever. It's so important to stay out there, to tend your meats, to, to be with them, et cetera, whatever you're grilling on your grill. I think for me, I, I love the concept that it just, it helps you stay there. You've got everything you need with it. You can really focus on the on the grilling itself to make the end result that much better. Yeah, you're exactly right, which is why a lot of the the users um, have, uh, you know, people who have bought my product and use it. They're, the content they create, which you can find on my social media page or um, sometimes on my, you know, anywhere on my product reviews or whatnot, you'll see that people are actually talking about how much they can fit in there comfortably, which is different than putting a bunch of stuff in, in your jeans or your shorts or whatever and stuffing it. This It's made to carry 
all the things that you need. And I understand, you know, the pain point that you're talking about of overcooking your steak because you ran inside and you forgot something. For me, just one little anecdote is that I kept leaving my door open and flies were getting in my house because I was going back and forth. And I was like, why am I going back and forth between the, you know, the kitchen and the grill so much and letting all these flies in my house and forgetting this and that. So it did solve that problem. You know, so one of the things I want to add, John, to interrupt you is that it's, it's, it's also, it's an apron, but it's, in many ways, it's, it's a, you, you had mentioned grilling accessory. It's really an accessory because yes, it's an apron. You can wipe your hands on it, but it also has towels. It, it has all these other functions. So I sometimes almost hesitate at getting classified in the apron category because I didn't really necessarily like aprons to begin with. I wanted to create something that was very functional and, and sharp looking so that while I was in grilling, while I was grilling, I didn't necessarily have this silly looking smock wrapped around my neck. <laughs> it's something that was functional and, and good looking. Yeah. And it really is. I mean, again, I encourage our audience to check out the website. You can see the different designs that are done there. There, there are some very unique ones, uh, patterns, et cetera. And that brings me to a question. My understanding is you, it's not like you have experience in developing textiles or clothing items, accessories, et cetera, or frankly, even in launching products. This, when you had this idea, this is all brand new to you. So how did you overcome the hurdles of not to say it this way, but really not knowing what you're doing with textiles or with launching products and turning that into a success? How did you, how did you start the learning process? Great question. No, I had no experience in developing a product. I didn't know where to begin. I didn't even know if I should begin overseas or USA made. Um, I, I reached out to friends and, uh, and just asked a lot of questions. This is a product of COVID times. So I had a lot of time on my hands that summer. Um, and I was grilling out a lot that summer. So it just kind of made sense. Um, to the to allow myself the time to create something new i happened to um have a high school friend who had developed backpacks life jackets shoes before and has been very successful with his company um astral designs and so i reached out to him and he helped you know help me figure out sourcing actually and also right before COVID hit i took um i had was starting to to wonder, all right, what am I, what is my next project? Um, and I happened upon a trade show in Las Vegas um, that had textiles there. And um, so I just kind of walked around and looked at all these things and had to figure out, okay, if if I, I'm going to make a product, I was, ex- I was starting to think about other ideas um, other than grilling products. And so it just kind of made sense for me to go to this, this, this trade show, so to speak. And that's where I kind of tried to figure out, you know, am I going to do this stateside or overseas? And just during COVID, it turned out that it was impossible to do anything uh, overseas anyway. So uh, basically networking decided to create this, do a small run of this product and see if it could work. And um, yeah, here I am three years later. I think that's a great example of, you know, we've worked with a lot of product marketers over the years where, you know, we're in the we're in the business of launching products. We don't create them, though. We're you know a marketing agency. So I've I've heard a lot of stories and and talking to our clients over the years, and many are in similar shoes to what you were, where they were. This is the first time, right? It's, it's, it's at least making a product, you know, of, a, that's unique and different, right? That they'd had no experience within with specifically. And 
I think as you mentioned, trade shows or anything you can do to make those connections, just realizing that you don't have to be alone, right? You don't have to figure everything out on your own. You have to do a lot. You have to wear a lot of hats when you're inventing a product, when you're creating a new business, but find the right resources. Trade shows are a great way to do that. Of course, LinkedIn, online, you can do searches as well, but meeting people face-to-face at those unique events like that uh, can get you save you a lot of time and energy and uh, just simply answering questions that you have to to get a couple of steps ahead to avoid mistakes that they may have made previously with their own uh, their own careers as they learned along the way. So yeah, making those connections can be so vital in the early success of a product. So true. So true. I, did, I still don't really even know how to sew on a button, um, but I was able to network with a couple of friends. I also have a very... Um, a good friend in town that helped me very, very much. She was a wedding dress designer and she knew how to design. So I actually took this clunky thing that I created out of my garage and some leftover, you know, backpack parts and took it to her. And she was the one who said, okay, this is a cool idea and I can help you create the design. And it was my other friend who helped me find a seamstress so that I could start prototyping it. So just asking a lot of questions and talking to people and people that they recommended I speak to is kind of how this whole, all this whole thing got, got rolling. And then let's fast or fast forward a little bit. Once you had your product, you're happy with now it comes time to market it, turn it into revenues. So what was the first, what would you consider your first success for this? Were you like, Oh, we've got something here. It's selling. What, what worked well as your first marketing vehicle? So, I mean, basically when I got started, it was all just an idea. I didn't even, I didn't raise any money. It was completely bootstrapped. I was like, well, I need to launch on Facebook. I need to, you know, launch on Instagram and create a Twitter account. And so I grabbed all of those things. And that's really kind of how I, how I got started was just total grassroots, you know, social media. And from there, I started to um, really had to dig into how to how to build a website and uh, i started out with the wrong platform and was very lucky to to wind up with shopify that um has really helped me there have been a ton of resources um with shopify just on you know they're really good at helping to launch brands helping you to understand how to have a, a very quickly updated website um how to how to get you know, email addresses so that you can continue to stay in touch with your customers. Um, so yeah, without, without social media and Shopify, I don't know where I'd, where I'd be. Like, it was great yeah, place. To- I, I'm glad you brought up Shopify. I think for our listeners sake, for those that might be earlier stage, trying to figure out what channels to market on, what website platforms to use, et cetera. I would say probably 95, 90, 95% of our product launches we do are on the Shopify platform. And what I found over over the years, it's not the easiest to use. There are some that are easier, right? To just create a website. There's, it takes a little bit of work, but you can do it. And there's resources there to help, but it by far is the best, right? There's just so much. It's robust on the back end on, on the tools you can use to market and the communication between Shopify and other platforms like Facebook, et cetera, are, are phenomenal. So it's not much more expensive than most options and a little bit of a learning curve to get started, but well worth it. It's it absolutely, there's a reason that most product launches, you know, from our, we've got clients that start off there and it's their first dollar of revenue on up to some that are selling tens of millions of dollars or more in revenue per year, still using the Shopify platform. It's very robust. It grows with you. I, I got to second that. If you think back to, so that was kind of like the first start of your success. What Over the years since then, 
what really has worked best in terms of marketing strategies to to grow your sales from that point forward? You know, user-generated content is extremely helpful. It just gives that validation to the product. Um, I, I have had a really good time getting to know people that love my product. And, um, you know, I stay in touch with them. They continue to talk about my product. I'm not asking them to. I don't have to pay them to. They are just, they have championed my product. And I'm very grateful for my ambassadors and just users that that took to this thing. You know, this product is, to me, it's very obvious what it is and what it does. And I, I personally believe there's a need you know, for the product. And when I, when I hear other people talk about how it's changed their experience grilling that, um, I, you know, not only does that make me proud, but it also validates the product for other, you know, other people that are considering buying it. I mean, I realize that most people are used to, if they have an apron, they're probably were given, you know, it was given to them or it says something on the front. It's not very functional and it probably is in a $20 price point. This is a engineered product that costs more about like a pair of shoes or a backpack, but there's a reason behind that. And the people that understand that and have either gotten this as a gift or taken the leap to make make the purchase for this product and they fall in love with it, those are the people that speak volumes, which I think have, you know, really helped, you know, me with with more sales and i just hope that that continues to to build upon itself because i don't personally love telling people that they have to have this you know product and it's going to change their life i would rather the product speak for itself and for the people that are enjoying it to you know take the time which they a lot of them do to talk about how, what they love about the product so my job really is uh, i wear a lot of hats because it's a small business but my favorite part of the job is creating new products for my fans to enjoy. I don't really know if my fans are the right word, but the people who love love my product, I want to keep stimulating them with new new colors and new versions and and you know new products that help them have a good time when they're grilling. I love that you brought up user generated content and the way you described it. It's a it's a common tool. It's because it's a very effective tool. And there's a couple ways to do it. And you know, kind of the most common way I think is that people pay for that content. And in the early days of a new campaign, it can be relatively inexpensive. It's a great way to get initial content and you send samples, people send you videos and some are good, some are not, you use the good ones. And that that's good. I love how you talked about a, a little different approach that is, I think, great advice for our listeners where it's, that's good, right? We, got, we have to have content in the very beginning. But once we start to have people actually buy this and use the product and become fans, connect with your audience, right? Connect with your, your customers. And the, that's going to be the best content to come back. That's real user-generated content, or as you call them, ambassadors, right? Because they bought it on their, with their own money. They love it. They've got a real story they can share. And that's going to make such a difference. And not only the type of content, because you can feel how genuine it is, but also that they will really share with their own audience, right? Their friends, family, followers, et cetera. So I think it's a great way to describe that and good advice for our audience too. Well, Yates, is there anything I, I didn't ask you that you think could be helpful for our audience? Well, um, I just would love to point out that I recently just got uh, my first patent. Um, so I'm really excited about that. 
I have been a, um, a student of Shark Tank forever. And oftentimes that's a question that they ask. Um, you know, uh, I originally initially just had to get the name trademarked. That was that was quite easy to do. Getting a patent was was much more difficult and took a lot more time and, and a little more expense. Um, but yeah, that's just one thing that's that's happened as of late. That's quite exciting here at Grill Kilt, and I wanted to share it with you. And and um, yeah, that's it. You know, well, congratulations. That's not easy. It takes a lot of work, and it's not a guarantee that you'll get a patent issued. So, that's, congratulations on making or taking that step too. I do want to tell our audience: be sure to go visit grillkilt k i l t dot com to learn more about this product. You can see, again, some cool videos that uh, Yates has put together and images, but a great product as well. But Yates, I really want, want to say thank you and really appreciate you joining the show today. John, it's a pleasure. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Best of luck in all your endeavors. Did you know you can meet with a member of my team absolutely free for a 30-minute strategy consultation? We've launched and grown hundreds of products since 2007 and learned some of our strategies while growing OxyClean back in the Billy Mays days. We're here to help, so please go to harvestgrowth.com to set up a call if you'd like to discuss further. 